Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Calmetti here and Susan Davis with Jesus 24-7. And today we are going to talk about stocking up on spiritual bread. And this is part three. Susan, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks a lot, Dina. Good to be back. Today's show is a special report. As you know, we are here to focus in on the topic of famine. And uh, this is uh, part three that goes along with some other videos we've done of the same name. But the reason we're doing part three is we have more information and more things to update. This is such an important topic that I feel that we need to stay up to date and up to speed on it. And that's not to say that the other videos aren't worth watching. They definitely are. It's just a lot of information. And I think if you if you go back to the other ones, you'll get a picture of what is coming over not just United States or any particular area, but the entire world. This is Bible prophecy coming together so fast, it's making my head spin. What do you think, Dina? Yes, definitely. This one's coming together really quick. Right. It's really speeding up. And of course, if you go back and watch some of our regular news reports and time news reports, you'll see a lot of other topics we cover that coincide with the Bible. But this particular topic on famine really coincides with what the Bible says. Now, how is that possible? How does that relate? Well, after we see the church age in Revelation 2 and 3 come to a close, then we see in chapters 4 and 5 the uh, church, the dead in Christ rising, and then the raptured church following out behind them, and they're at the throne room of God. This is what John of Revelation sees. We see Jesus opening up the seals, and we see the 21 judgments at that uh, juncture begin. And the first four, 20 of the 21 judgments, are the four horses of the apocalypse. And that begins in chapter 6. Now, chapter 6 picks it up with the first horse, which is the white horse, and that is the Antichrist. And so... First things first, uh, the Antichrist is revealed and comes forward as the first judgment post-rapture at that point. Second is the red horse, which signifies war. And we see the world heading towards war, that's for sure. And we also see the world heading towards the Mark of the Beast system and all of that, which coincides with the first horse, the white horse. And then the third horse after Antichrist and war is famine. It's the black horse. And we see famine and economic downturn. And we are seeing the culmination of that happening right now. And then the final fourth horse is the pale horse, and that signifies death. It can be a combination of war, the resulting of famine, an economic downturn, and also plagues, which we already see are being released in the earth now. But uh, nothing like what's going to take place after the rapture and the onset of tribulation and the revealing antichrist and so forth so our focus today famine is really looking 
towards the the black horse of the first four judgments. It's coming really fast, the culmination. Now, we'd have to question, are we in the end times if we didn't see anything going on at all? But since we see plenty going on and we know we're heading this direction, we can safely say that uh, not only are we in the end times, we're in something called birth pains. Now, birth pains are understood in the Bible to mimic or imitate a woman in labor, and that means towards the last part of that labor, we start to see things moving faster and stronger, and those birth pains coming closer together. And God used that description because that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And famine, leading up to famine, is definitely in the works. It's moving so fast. It's, it's really fantastic. So let's begin by, you know, we're going to take a review. Now, you can go back in the first two videos and see all the ways that famine is starting to come together. But we've got some update headlines. And that's exactly why we decided, we made a determination that we wanted to do a follow-up third part to kind of keep you updated on what we've already reported on and discussed. Here's a headline that says the weather decimates 90 to 95 percent of the Georgia peach crops, experts say, just wiping out. In fact, one report says that if you have if you get a peach this year, it's probably not coming from Georgia. So that's that's tragic when you start to see these things take place. And you know what, Dina, this is what I want to contribute is we don't see any one reason for famine. It's the culmination of a lot of explanation for it. And we're going to get into that as we go into this report. We've got man-made activity. We've got natural uh, God-made activity. And God is allowing this. And I want to say, why? Why would God allow this? Well, I have to say because it's judgment. It's judgment coming over the entire world. Just to support what I have to say about that, I want to mention some scripture that coordinates with uh, what we're talking about today. So let's take a look. Let's actually, we can go back into the Bible and see some pretty amazing scripture that points to these times today. You know, and as I've always said, we really need to look at the Old Testament a lot of times to understand the New Testament, right, Dina? Always. Yeah. Okay, well, we can first see back in Genesis, all the way back in Genesis, chapter 41, verse 30, and it says, But seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will devastate the land. And then Genesis 41:56 says, And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. Okay, so what this means here is Joseph, if you study Joseph in the Old Testament, he was a form and type of Jesus, Jesus Christ. And he was the one that God used at that point in time to prepare people, specifically the Israelites and the tribe under with Abraham, to save them through these storehouses that, that uh, Joseph foresaw needed through his dreams. 
Now, that particular famine was a seven-year event, and that is also like a foretelling of a seven-year tribulation, if there ever was one. Now, famines aren't always like that, but in this particular case, this is very much a foretelling of the future, because this famine in Genesis was all over the entire face of the earth, and Joseph, who is a foreman type of Jesus, saves his people, his chosen people, and it was also a seven-year period, and it was also judgment. So we have all those things in common, interestingly enough. Then we can take a look. Again, if you go to 2 Kings 8.1, and we have to go back into history, and we look at the woman whose son Elisha had saved. Now, she was the woman that, you know, she took care of Elisha and gave him a place to stay. And in turn, he saved the son that he predicted she would have. And so he actually died and came back to life. Again, Elisha is, is kind of like a form and type of Jesus in this case. But let me read the scripture. It says, Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son had restored to life, Arise you and your household, go and live as a foreigner wherever you can, for the Lord has decreed a seven-year famine, and it has already come to the land. Okay, again, we see hints of seven-year tribulation in a specific seven-year famine. So what do these scriptures and what do these events have in common with what's about to happen? Well, famine is brought on by God as a kind of punishment or judgment over the land. And in these cases, we see it as seven-year. This is, again, symbolic of the coming seven-year tribulation. And we also see that God uses his people in this case, Abraham is brought to a place, he's moved to a place where he can get resources, and the woman in Second Kings is moved to a place of safety, and that's also symbolic of God moving his people, as in the rapture, to a place of safety during that seven-year famine. And the famine can also be a famine of the Word of God. And the, and the Lord predicts that there will be a famine of the Word of God. And we know that's going to happen during the tribulation. So we'll take a look at Matthew 7, or at Matthew 24, 7, which are signs of the end of the age. And it says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Okay, well, we are in birth pains, and that scripture is so accurate, it's incredible. I mean, we are definitely seeing wars and rumors of wars, and nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and we're seeing earthquakes in various places, and we are seeing famines. We're seeing the beginning stages of worldwide famine. So the Bible is always accurate. This is evidence of that, and I think it's pretty exciting to me that we can look to that book and know that it's accurate. What, what do you say, Dina? Absolutely. It's a wonderful book. And in these days, we really need to turn to it Amen. because it's our standard of, you know, it's our compass in these dark times. Okay, well, let's get back to some of our news here, which are shocking, to say the least, uh, some of the things going on. Prophecy News Watch 
had a headline that reads, America's bread basket at risk as drought conditions rapidly spread. So that is for sure. We are seeing drought, and we're going to bring that up again, but droughts all over the planet uh, running head-to-head with floods, flood conditions. And so that right there is a sign that God is doing this because how, how else, you know, you've got a planet with both droughts and floods. Well, floods and droughts are definitely going to lead to famine because either way, you can't, the, the land is challenged agriculturally if you have both floods and, and um, droughts going on. If you want to know more about floods, we've got a Facebook page for that. It's called End Times Floods. So definitely take a minute to go look at that and you you'll see why we're talking about famine you just look at that page alone and you'll see why we are heading towards famine so much land has been destroyed with floods right now it's it's off the charts it's it's just unprecedented take a look at this one central u.s drought intensifies threatening grains and soy, yes, we're seeing terrible droughts in the Midwest. The breadbasket of the United States is in terrible drought condition. And here's a headline that talks about that also. Kansas wheat harvest will be the smallest since 1957, and U.S. corn is being absolutely devastated by drought. It's just staggering, uh, the headlines that are coming through on these. Here's another headline. Drug and food shortages are here. And how about this one? Chemical attack leaves farmer devastated. These are just some of the many headlines we're seeing. Food and drug shortage crisis, pharmaceuticals running out. This one is interesting. Globalists revving up plans to engineer global famine and starvation. 13 nations agreed to convert over to less productive green farming methods. Oh, this should really be a red flag because we know that in its place, they want to do something like this headline. Global food processing giant announces world's largest lab-grown meat facility to be built in 2024. So what do you say about this, Dina? This artificial meat. That's just disgusting to me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we're seeing every everything like the FDA just approved artificial chicken. Did you hear about that one? I heard about the, was it chicken? I thought it was red meat. Well, maybe both because I saw something about 3D image, something about 3D production. Ew, just ew. Of meat. I know, I Leave know. Leave really our food them. alone. What do they have against the cows <laughs> and the chickens? You know, I don't know, but it's not. it doesn't end there. It, it also includes things like uh, they want to provide protein through insects. And I'm talking oh. about... They yeah. want us all to be John the Baptist eating locusts. Well, I'm talking about crickets and cricket meal uh, in, you know, in, in flower form and showing up in every possible scenario where you would normally see regular plant flour like in situations such as bread and other things that you use flour in cricket flour and also worms ew yes i I, well i'm talking about 
grub worms and things of that nature, okay? So uh, being disgusting. utilized in flower form. I just, I want to know, are they eating it? Like, Well, I doubt it. They want to sell this to us, but are they eating these things for their snacks and dinners? I mean, it's disgusting. I'm sure they're not. I'm sure they got their Dom Perignon and the best of the best. Their filet mignon. I'm sure they're not eating, uh, you know, fake meat. Just disgusting. Well, I think I think these groups that are uh, spearheading this stuff are very much like how North Korea operates, which is starving their people while, you know, Kim Jong-un obviously is not starving by any stretch. So, you know, I think... That is what we're seeing. But there are scientists who have come forward and said that the human body does not, you know, do well with insects as far as consuming them. That the human body is not set up to subsist on insects. Yeah, that's what they're coming out and saying. And that it's not really a good form of uh, food substance or protein for the human body. And that we weren't really meant to do that and I you know I want to mention the thing about John the Baptist I I'm not 100% sure that when it talks about what he ate that it was actually an insect it was I think it was just a different type of food that's what it was called so there's some confusion about that okay but we see another frightening headline here drought tightens grip across corn belt 34% now hit with drought. And as we get deeper into the summer season, because these percentages and figures and headlines are coming from the first part of the summer, we aren't even in the worst of the summer in the United States bread belt. That usually takes place later on towards the end of summer. So this is not a Uh, Well, I want to mention, we know about all the fires in Canada, but also there are fires around the United States, and we have a fire map that we can look at and show you, that uh, we've got droughts, we've got fires, we've got floods, and none of those are good for agriculture. Let's take a look at some more headlines. Uh, Ireland looking to kill 200,000 cows to fight climate change. Are U.S. herds next? And also, Ireland's mooted cow massacre is a warning to net zero Britain. And the British farmers are very nervous about the future of their cattle, given what's going on in not just Ireland, but they're also doing this in the Netherlands, where the government is paying them to basically call their cattle. Now, (laughs) that just... To me, I, I don't understand, that, but supposedly that's to help fight climate change. But to me, yeah, this is all heading us towards famine, okay? And it's not any just one thing that's leading us to famine. We've got UN agencies warn of starvation risk in Sudan, Haiti, Burkina, Faso, and Mali, and they're calling for urgent help. Yeah, that's a big deal. Because when the larger industrial complexes cannot produce food for their own people, then the third world countries that depend on these things really suffer, Dina. And they're already suffering, like in Sudan, for instance. 
Mm-hmm. And here's another thing. Well, John Kerry, he's come out and he's also targeting agriculture as part of a climate crusade. We had locusts destroy Afghanistan crops or on farmers to transfer land to the elites. Here's another headline that we're seeing. How about this one? A fertilizer ban decimates Sri Lankan crops and entire global food supply at risk to nitrogen crisis. We're running short on some things like nitrogen, which is vital to large industrial crops and agricultural. And a lot of people don't know this, but I want to mention it. It's very important to understand that the two countries that really produce a lot of fertilizer for the whole world is Belarus and Russia. And uh, I think it's around 40% of all the fertilizer in the world comes from those two countries, Dina. So that's, that's a kind of scary. That's a big that's a big huge percentage. And up to this point, Russia has allowed their crops to move out to places like Sudan during these wartime periods despite the war because Sudan has said that if they don't get those crops, they're going to starve to death. But they have released these things, although they're in the middle of a war, and also Ukraine has suffered, you know, at the hand of war also. I mean, it's hard to produce agriculture when you've got a war war zone in your backyard, right? Yeah. Okay, we've got another headline here. It says, rice, the largest target of climate change cultists, crop failure, food system meltdown, European and Dutch government shut down animal farms, and we got food insecurity across America. So we're seeing all kinds of problems. We're also looking at problems from global freshwater resources. Won't keep up with the demand through the next few years. And this is, again, because of drought. We did a whole show on river droughts. We are still seeing vanishing water in the western part of the United States, although they did receive a lot of rain recently. That did not solve all their problems out west. That's also going to play into major food prices. We've got rivers drying up all over the planet, in Mexico, in Europe, and Africa. Uh, places, you know, that normally don't have these issues are now in terrible situations. Water situation in Europe is very precarious. There's another headline. How about this one? Number of beef cows drops the lowest level since 1962. And we've had other issues such as the avian flu. And here's a headline. It says over 151 million 700,000 killed birds from a massive culling of chicken livestock under the guise of avian flu mitigation. So the question is, is this really avian flu or is it just the culling of our chicken? Because they've come they've come up with this FDA-approved uh, fake chicken. You, it just makes you wonder. I mean, is one leading to the other or vice versa? We don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know because we're not going to be told. I mean, if it's nefarious, we're not going to be told. Right. And wheat spread hits record as drought plagues Midwest. We've had Florida's orange groves buffeted by hurricanes and disease. We even had a situation where we saw 18,000 dairy cows killed in an explosion. And so you can go back to our other 
reports and just see all kinds of food processing plants, over a hundred, have suffered from some kind of fire or disastrous type event. And when there's over a hundred, you have to start to ask yourself, is this all just coincidence? Is it all just accidental? I don't think so. Now, here is a headline from the Weather Channel. UK supermarkets are rationing fruits and vegetables. And Al Jazeera, which is a Middle Eastern news outlet, says 345 million people marching towards starvation. And we've had a record number of people worldwide moving towards starvation. Who gets hit the worst when we start to move towards uh, droughts, floods, and food famines and things of this nature? It's always the people in our third world countries. And it's going to be, they will start to see it. People who already have a lot of food problems And then it starts to trickle down into your upper echelon. But it's not in in tribulation. This is going to be something that's going to be across the board. It's going to be so bad that it'll be nothing. What we're seeing right now is nothing compared to what's coming in the next tribulation period. Now, how about this headline, Dina? Your pasta will be made from crickets. Man, why are they messing with my pasta? Wow. Yeah, that hits home for you, right? Yeah, they they better leave our pasta alone. Oh, brother, no kidding. Just all kinds of headlines emerging global food crisis. 100,000 hens die in a fire in Hillendale Farms facility and on and on and on. And I just also just want to mention that we actually have a Facebook page that addresses this topic. So if you're interested in more information on this topic, it's called End times famine and so we track these types of headlines and you can see them over there and i greatly want to thank rebecca mayo who is you know been extremely helpful in tracking his headlines and working on that page and getting that all together so we definitely want to send you in that direction and you know subscribe to it so you can keep up on regular posts because we do regular posting we do have other facebook pages that you can understand you know that's playing into famine and i mentioned the end times uh, floods and end time landslides those kind of events are going to lead to famine because it has to do with the destruction of the land and the agriculture we've also got a area we call end times mass animal deaths and that is phenomenal it, it goes ties into hosea in the bible in which god says he's going to remove the fowl the fish and the mammals from the earth in you know, retaliation for rejecting God. And if you go over to that page, uh, end time mass animal deaths, you're going to see, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing the very thing, the fish, the fowl, and the mammals being decimated. How is it all happening? Well, it's not any one thing. It's from disease. It's from catastrophic events. It's from man-made debacles. And it's from God-made events, but it's all in there, and it's just staggering what's going on. And so I just want to talk about a couple things really specifically that tie into this. I want to mention that we did a report not too long ago in one of our regular reports on something called the neonicotinoids is a group 
of insecticides that are absorbed by plants and can be present in pollen and nectar, making them toxic to bees. Now, these are seeds that are coated with an insecticide. And if a bird gets a hold of a coated seed with this insecticide on it, it can kill one seed can kill a bird, one seed. And this particular thing, you know, there are cases right now in courts to fight this insecticide because it it threatens, you know, the bees and the queens in particular, which means whole colonies have lower reproductive rates. And this right here alone is affecting bees. Now, if we don't have things like bees and other pollinators, you know, like butterflies and those kinds of things, then we're going to be in trouble. And what we're seeing is the insects are just literally being wiped out right now through insecticides like this, this one here. It's, it's unbelievable what's going on. You know, the insects, they, they call it insect and apocalypse of insects. It's huge. I mean... We're not seeing the grasshoppers nearly like we used to in the farmlands and all of these things. It's all being affected. But there is also another problem for the bees. And there are now reports coming out, Dina, that bees and birds and even amphibians are being decimated and affected by mobile phone-induced problems and the cell phones. And we're seeing it in, in articles and studies that are being done, uh, such as this headline here, changes in honeybee behavior and biology under the influence of cell phone radiations. And exposure to cell phone radiations produces biochemical changes in worker honeybees. Bees, birds, and mankind destroy nature by electromag effects of wireless communication technologies and so they're starting to do research and finding problems uh, for these animal groups in relation to cell phone towers and these other you know types of technology i mean we're even talking 4g let alone 5g okay so this plays into why we're seeing a lot of death I and mean, this includes uh the decline in insects frogs bats and birds even bats and you know you don't always like a bat but he they all play their part in the whole picture each animal and when you start to decimate whole segments it's going to take its toll on the whole picture of you know what god has put together look at this headline a possible effect of electromagnetic radiation from mobile phone base stations on the number of breeding house sparrows and here's the thing we've been at it long enough that now they can do these studies and pretty well figure out what they're talking about. So that's really sad. And like I said, amphibians are also affected. And when I say that, I mean frogs and things like that. It's it's pretty tragic. Now that's the land animals, which are vital. I mean, the pollinators are vital to food production. Without them, you know, people think of honeybees, you know, and I've mentioned this before, uh, 
people who manage honey bees, they make most of their money by taking the honeybees to an agricultural center and loaning them out or renting them out. That's what happens. That's what they do, beekeepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't just produce honey for local stands. They actually move these bees out to agricultural centers and put them on loan <laughs> to use them to produce whatever agricultural crop they need them for. That's how vital the bees are, okay? So, yeah, and I want to mention a couple other things. The report not too long ago, a couple couple uh, weeks ago, on uh, what's going on with Fukushima, which is over in Japan. And I mentioned that they started releasing irradiated seawater just recently into an underwater tunnel that's been built to release uh, Fukushima nuclear contaminated water into the sea that was reported by japan's public broadcaster and so according to tepco which is tokyo electric power company the tunnel was filled with some six thousand tons of seawater first day it was released this is a daily occurrence now six thousand tons of radiated seawater to go into the ocean and why because they no longer have the tanks no longer, not just the tanks, but they no longer have tank space, land space, to hold these large tanks of daily water used to cool down the nuclear plants. And once they cool these uh, down, they still have radioactive water that they store off. Okay, well, they say it's treated before they put it into the ocean, but if that's the case, why have they been putting it in tanks? all this time that doesn't even make sense Mm -hmm. and this news is really being downplayed we're not really hearing very much about it uh but i'm telling you uh because the ocean is dynamic and not static and those ocean currents move all over the place i think that this is going to be more decimation of you know well your first reaction is you're thinking oh we've got all these fish coming into the shore dead well we do If you go to that mass animal deaths page, you're going to see pictures. You're going to know that that's true. But what's really going on is something that's not visible to the eye. This kind of radiation poisoning is doing serious damage to the lesser known forms of the microscopic organisms, the phytoplankton that are in the ocean. And phytoplankton feed whale. They feed sea pups, seal pups. They feed dolphins. And all of these things, porpoises, all these things, the mammals like that, and the fish subsist on phytoplankton. Well, phytoplankton cannot withstand, it's so uh, frail, it can't withstand massive amounts of radiated water flowing around the ocean. This is not good. In fact, I'll tell you what, it was right before the Fukushima event happened, there was a report, Dina, that came out that we were already 40% down on phytoplankton in the entire ocean, that we were at 60% phytoplankton before Fukushima. And then when Fukushima hit, and there were rumors going about that they were, you know, even in the beginning, starting to release some of that water, oh, there were all kinds of people saying that there was a lot of evidence of it, and we had it. We had the evidence because there were just 
tons of animals coming into shore dead. I'm not even just talking fish. I'm talking squid and other animals, jellies, all kinds of animals showing up dead. Is it just Fukushima? No, no. It's other things, oil spills, and all sorts of things. But what happens is we're also a planet that's heating up, and there is proof of that. The planet is heating up. Well, our ocean waters are heating up. We have evidence of that. There's all kinds of reports to that effect. And honestly, we don't know what will result from ocean waters that increase by even 5, 10 degrees or more. What is that going to mean to animal life that has to be sustained at lower uh, ocean temperatures? We just don't know. Well, I guess we're finding out because a lot of the animal life, mammals and fish alike, are coming into shore dead. What am I talking about? I'm talking about whales. I'm talking about dolphins, seal pups, turtles. We've got turtles coming into shore that are full of plastic. They can't find enough food to eat, so they they come in dead because they filled themselves eating plastic. And it's just seal pups coming in with rib cages showing and, and all kinds of whales showing up dead on the shore. This is not normal or natural. This is judgment. This is God's judgment on an evil planet, evil world. Where does that come from? It's right in the Bible. The Bible has, has explained this is what's going to happen, and God is good to his word. So it's not really just any one thing. You know, it's not just chickens being cold. It's not just, you know, the insects going away or the pollinators. It's not just the fact that Fukushima has happened. It's, you know, in that incident. There are other threats in the environment, too. You know, war is definitely one of them. You know, with Russia threatening to blow up the Ukraine nuclear plant over there. These kinds of things are going to lead to greater problems with famine. And what is going to be the end result? Well, it's going to be a very bad place to be during tribulation because God has warned it. He has warned of this and, you know, his word is good. But what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you today? Well, we've got the perfect storm of the coming of the third seal of food famine, which is the third horse of the uh, horses of the apocalypse, the black horse. This is going to happen after the rapture. And how can I prove that? Well, it's in the scripture. After all of this, uh, people are worried about soon coming food shortages and what i'm hearing is people are storing off food there's preppers everything everybody's doing this but the bible says something different so after the church age in revelation 2 and 3 in revelation chapter 4 the dead in christ rise first then the church is raptured behind them and given their crowns Then in Revelation 5, the saints throw their crowns at Jesus' feet, and then we find he alone is worthy to open the seals, which are the 21 judgments, which include seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls, also known as vials. And so in Revelation 6, Jesus has opened the first seal, the white horse. Then he opens the red horse, war. We've got the black horse, which is famine and economic downturn. And it's interesting to note that famine is running head to head with economic downturn right now. We're hearing about that as well. And so is the Bible accurate? Yes, amazingly so. But... Clearly, there are two different groups. We've got the raptured church, 
Those are the five virgins with the full oil lamps, also known as the Bride of Christ. And we see this in Revelation 4. In Luke chapter 17, verse 26 through 28, it says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving, being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But then we see in the Great Tribulation, also known as Tribulation Post-Rapture, the left-behind church, which is the five virgins without the full oil lamp, in chapter 7 of Revelation, verse 16, it says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. Okay, so what we're looking at are two different groups. We've got the raptured church eating, drinking, marrying, giving a marriage, building, planting, working, sleeping before rapture. And let me just add this. Nobody's marrying in times of hardship. It's just not it's just not going to happen. But then we have the other group, the left behind church hungers and thirsts before arriving into heaven. And since the raptured church is eating and drinking and partying, basically, during that time frame, the people are marrying and giving a marriage at the time of the rapture, it cannot be confused with the left-behind church. And since the world is heading for food shortages even now, then the conditions that have to be met at the time of rapture is eating, drinking, marrying, and giving a marriage, building, planting, and working, and sleeping. And so then the rapture has to be closing in, and that means you need to get ready. And so... We just want you to know that those conditions have to be met because it's in the Bible. The Bible says it would be that way. So leading up to rapture, they're eating and drinking. Post-rapture tribulation, the left-behind saints that refuse the mark of the beast and come out of tribulation, they will, the Bible says they'll hunger and thirst no more. One group is eating and drinking. That's your pre-trib rapture group and your tribulation saints they're hungering and thirsting so it's two different groups and so you can see that even as we're talking about these headlines and there's so many of them and you can see them over on our end time famine page but the serious message is here we have to be closing in on the lord's coming for his church to free the church to take her out and it's scriptural you can't deny it and if you want to know more about this topic, besides this video, definitely ask you to go to that page, End Time Famines, but also study Revelation for Beginners with us to get a really good understanding of the times you're living in. And we study line by line, and we know that many people are reading Revelation for the first time, and so we try to help you make it as easy as possible to understand those books. And so I think that just about does it for me, Dina. Clearly, we are heading towards the removal of the church, the end of the church age, heading into the time of the rapture and the revealing of the Antichrist, Jesus opening the seals and all of that, the, horse, the four horses of the apocalypse. It's all coming together uh, at a rapid pace and exactly as the Bible described, right down to the penny. Very exciting times that we're living in, you guys. We are living in biblical times. So with that said, thank you, Susan 
for sharing all of this very valuable information. Thank you to all of you who have tuned in. You'll be able to find this show on Susan's YouTube, Marriage Supper of the Lamb, also on my YouTube, as well as our Rumble account, BitChute, and in podcast. We will also post it to our Twitter and our Facebook page, and we want to hear from you. So please do leave your comments below this video. And Susan, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just thanks to you, Dina, for all your work on these projects. Thanks to Rebecca Mayo for her work on the famine information and to all of the other people that help us with what we do here every week. We appreciate everybody and we appreciate our viewers as well. Check it out. Our group page is Rapture is very soon. Got a lot of great posting over there. We're growing uh, exponentially every week. That is so awesome. And I'll have a link for you guys below this video if you'd like to go over there and visit and join. So again, thank you everybody. And we will talk to you soon. God bless. <laughs>